Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Green Through. Here today with us, I'm pleased to be joined by Eduardo Di Mofetta, who works as a data analyst at a digital wealth management company called Money Farm. And he also happens to be an avid enthusiast for everything that pertains to data and its many uses in the tech world. That being said, the, the conversation today will touch upon the role that innovation has played in disrupting business trends and customers' commercial appetites throughout the pandemic, the role of data in the future growth and popularity and convenience of electric vehicles, and what role will cryptocurrency play in facilitating the decarbonization transition of the automotive sector and not only. Um, that being said, I think it is appropriate to start with a little introduction regarding your background, uh, Eduardo, and then we'll just take it from there. Eric, nice to be on Green Through. I have to say congrats on the previous podcasts. I had a listen. Uh, I have to say it's, it's, it's a good thing you're doing uh, for the sustainability community. Anyway, speaking of myself, uh, I'm Eduardo Di Molfetta and I'm uh, 25. Um, I started my data-driven journey after pursuing a master's in business analytics. I wasn't really sure what I wanted to get into, uh, you know, after the usual management degree, I was kind of lost myself, but I kind of felt my path after, you know, hearing about these trends, about big data, about um, all of this IoT that's still needs to really get implemented at scale, but uh, I think we're going to get there without the next in the next 10 years. Um, and then, yeah, I, I, um, I pursued uh, this data-driven career and I uh, got a role as data scientist at a MarTech company at Optimove, but um, I, I don't think this really stopped me looking at things uh, with data iteracy and then uh, how this led to my uh, investments in, in the EV right. space and in, as in Tesla in particular. Yeah. So I think off the back of what you just said, I think now COVID has given everybody a time to maybe become a more um, savvy uh, consumer of data. And just, you know, even if you have social media, you can, you know, see trends of people, what they're doing. And everybody is sort of, um, you know, either a doctor because they're either spreading fake news on COVID or they're, all new traders because you know you can just download a platform and um, you know improvise yourself um, as a money maker what i'm trying to lead to here is that um how do you think that covid has sort of reinforced your interest towards um tech driven paths and um you know how has it been from that point of view um well to be honest the, the the areas that I've worked on um, at Optimove, uh, especially in the gambling sector, we've seen high increase in trends, people staying at home, higher higher trends on them, um, you know, on gambling, on different sporting events. Not that there were much uh, during the summer, but there certainly has been a peak in in consumption, in data consumption. So online shopping. I mentioned gambling before, um, but it, it really has shifted our way of living. Um, you know, when, when we came to London in 2013, I don't even think Ocado was around or we were even using Ocado uh, for grocery shopping, but now, now, it's, now it's huge. And uh, especially after the pandemic, it has incentivized people to stay home and get their groceries delivered. So really businesses, uh, like that uh, have, have really blossomed during COVID. And I think uh, um, that has been great for them. So I think it's just, it's, it's after such, such a great 
pandemic slash depression, I'd call it, to some extent. There always has been a, a massive technological shift that has brought new purchasing patterns or just new customer uh, behavioral trends. And this will definitely be the case uh, as soon as this pandemic is over. Right. And um, I was reading off a McKinsey report, which you know you kindly shared with me that um, obviously the the growth that the EV sector is, um, so electric vehicle sector is experiencing is um, you know in front of the eyes of everybody. And um, of course, we need to decarbonize the transport sector, which is one of the major contribute contributors to the pollution and the carbon stock that um, we currently have available in the atmosphere. And um, one of the key points that I read in the report was that um, still first time consumers of electric vehicles tend to be, you know, tech savvy people or, you know, people that are either young professionals or uh, still, you know, not above 40 years of age, I would say. So I wanted to ask you, what do you think can be done by governments, you know, and by the relevant um, companies operating in the sector to, you know, broaden their appeal to a wider customer base? Um, I mean, I think it's, it's just uh, pure plate on the government side to really incentivize and have those tax benefits for the EV adoption. I really think it just lies to a cost, um, to a cost premium. Um, EVs are still relatively more expensive than ICE vehicles. Um, but I really think that when the battery production uh, the battery production costs, um, if I'll quote ARK Invest here, if they achieve rights law and they keep diminishing year over year, as the um, essentially what it is, is as the exponential uh, cost decline increases over time, it will be super cheap to produce batteries and the battery component is the highest cost in an EV. So I think it's a mix of time with you know technological with the technological revolution, um, but if governments want to have a more um, rapid adoption, I think it, it really lies with the EVs and incentives. And you know companies like Tesla uh, are really pushing governments to um, persecute. <laughs> right. I'd, I'd use that word, um, ice manufacturers, and and really set those legislations up for not having carbon emissions by cars yeah yeah because i was reading that um for example even amidst the, the pandemic the um, for example the chinese government has extended their you know support for the ev market until 2022 germany has uh, you know extended their support until 2030 um i think within our own experience you know um being italians and you know living in london I wanted to ask you, what do you think, you know, for example, we've just received um, the recovery package and still needs to be passed through by, um, uh, by Germany, but I think it will be imminent. And um, I think it's around 200, just north of 200 billion. And a third of that has to be sort of committed. And, you know, it's um, legally binding that it has to be spended upon the, um, the upgrading and the transformation of the current infrastructure in order to decarbonize um, our society. Do you think that... Um, a slice of that cake should be allocated to, you know, putting in place the right infrastructure in order to, um, you know, encourage the systemic adoption of EVs. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Um, I think that 
Um, as I mentioned before, with cost, cost reductions, if companies like Tesla um, can really uh, decrease these battery costs um, and the right infrastructure is set up, you know, those charging stations um, around Europe, around the US, around Asia, um, it will get to a point where um, it might. And I'd also want to, to put in the uh, autonomy piece here. Um, if, if legislations will approve autonomous car driving, uh, it might get significantly cheaper to um, you know, take a trip in, in a robot-driven car rather than taking a train. And, and that's, that's a huge leap for humanity. Um, yeah. So you think that through autonomous driving, uh, you know, passenger cars can make the transition from, you know, individual and autonomous, you know, belonging and ownership of a vehicle to public transport or no, like share as a service, yeah. that kind of stuff. Yes, yes. The, the, the whole, remember at university when we were studying that, um, you know, uh, car sharing, all those aspects, you know, Uber and Lyft, um, they did disrupt a major industry in tax transport, taxi transportation. But I think it just gets to a whole other cost-saving extent when you apply a um, a software that can literally um, transport people from place A to place B. And I actually think that by that point, the ownerships of cars themselves will become a secondary concept to many, especially in a city like London, where um, you know people don't usually have that many cars already. But sure. um, imagine just hopping on on a Tesla Uber or something like that. And, you know, yeah. Yeah, I think um, it will start definitely the uptake. So I covered this in a previous podcast with uh, Fausto because he was very much driven, you know, fuel sales. But I think the principle is the same, right? If you empower the consumer um, or just the average user and you render him, you know, more responsible. And uh, for example, like today on the BBC article, um, Google Maps just announced that they're going to, you know, provide more eco-friendly routes when you're trying to move from point A to point B in cities like London, I think. If the government comes in and you know puts the charging points at strategic places, then um, the uptake can be you know facilitated. Yeah, definitely. Right, and in terms of like the cost cutting, right, that you were talking about for batteries and stuff, uh, um, it's always a bit more evident that um, you know OEMs um, tend to partner up with. Uh, either tech startups or, you know, because um, as Tesla is, you know, driving, driving the, um, the new, let's say the new wave of uh, competition in the, in the automotive industry. And, you know, I just wanted to ask you, what do you think is the, um, what do you think about the overlap between, you know, automotive um, uh, players and, you know, tech startups or, um, you know, the likes of them? Yeah, um, I think we've seen a lot of activity uh, recently as well, um, we saw, I know you mentioned tech startups. I'd like to just highlight just in general, there's been a lot of disruption in the automotive industry. If you think about the, the merger, Stellantis, you know, Fiat Chrysler, Automobiles and PSA, the PSA group. Right. Um, or, um, you know, in January, there were rumors of Apple partnering with Hyundai. Um, Nissan recent Nissan and Renault um, they recently planned a one billion fund for auto tech startups. I mean, there's a lot of um, activity going on. Um, 
in the space. Um, I don't know if you caught it, but actually yesterday was a leaked rumor that um, Toyota and Tesla were actually going to um, reevaluate an old partnership. So um, I don't exactly in what year, but um, they had an EV RAV. Um, and I'm not sure it went through, so don't quote me on that, but that's definitely something that they're going to take into account now. And um, if you think about Toyota's assembly line with something like um, Tesla's battery components and their tech, that could be a massive player in the space. Right. So um, Toyota, Toyota's, I think, the second uh, automaker now, just recently over, uh, Tesla just recently overtook it. Um, so you can just imagine how big uh, a strategic alliance between those players could be. Um, but yeah, um, startups, um, I mean, Google Waymo uh, is considered a, not considered a startup anymore, but they have, um, they already have partnerships in place with legacy automators. But yeah, I really feel that um, Tesla has really um, just, Pave the way. Just produce the new new wave of uh, disruption. Right, and yeah. um, as a you know, as a Tesla owner yourself, and for example, I'm you know considering it further down the line, depending on you know what I end up doing. But that's just to you know add a bit more context to you know young people like us. They are looking at EV, and we're not you know just uh, attracted by um, ice vehicles any longer, but. I wanted to ask you, um, you know, for example, how does it feel, you know, to have a vehicle that re-updates every like couple of weeks or, you know, whenever there's like a software update, similar to like an iOS, that if you're on an iPhone or an Android equivalent and, you know, you don't have to go back to the, um, to the dealership, you know, for MOTs and all that jog. And I just wanted to ask you, you know, how does it feel from that point of view in terms of, um, you know, customer experience since you're experiencing firsthand? Uh, it feels great, man. Um... I mean, as you know, I've been uh, I've been looking at Tesla since 2018, and you know, doing all that research myself, firsthand research. Um, I'm really, I just really feeling it. Uh, I remember in Australia, I was there for a couple of weeks, and it was I didn't I didn't even know what a Tesla was, and there was this Uber driver in a Tesla, and he was taking me around Sydney, and he was just talking about this car the whole time. As soon as I got in, you know, it was silent um such a fast acceleration i couldn't i could barely breathe at the beginning um and you know and he was just so passionate about it he was just talking about how uh, elon musk was revolutionizing the world and i just feel that there's just this big cult behind tesla i mean the product is outstanding it's an amazing car um and i i, I had the the luck uh to grab one this year and I'm even more convinced on my thesis now, okay. um, but it's it's just I haven't I haven't experienced one person in my Tesla saying, "Hey Eduardo, this is not the future." Or okay. I or I've I've just heard so many people tell me I'm never gonna drive my my uh, mechanical mechanically engineered car ever again. Um, it's just in terms of like user experience it's just so comfortable like okay. there's there's you know there's no um there's no handbrake um you know as you mentioned software updates i can i can just plug my tesla to a wi-fi and get the new latest like the latest version 
Um, you can just download um, software updates to the car. And I think that that will be a, a huge part of their business in the future, you know, being able to offer for sure. di different, um, different features for the likes of the clients and they can just download it through a Tesla app store or something similar. Right. Yeah, because the idea of Tesla is, you know, to try and centralize, you know, as much as possible, which I think is part of the, uh, it's been one of the successful cornerstones of Elon Musk's strategy since the beginning, right? Because, you know, since being always in close, close contact yeah. with, with you, I've always paid close attention to it. And, you know, the in-housing production of um, all the, um, you know, 20 uh, parts to assemble a Tesla, um, it's it's quite outstanding, especially when we're talking about OEMs where, you know, the, the supply chains. Yeah, there's so many components, yeah, for sure. And um, so I wanted to ask you that, for example, if you want to take your Tesla up for a drive and go, I don't know, go skiing in the north of Italy, in terms of, you know, we touched upon the infrastructure of the, not of the, of the machine itself, but of the charging stations needed, uh, you know, how do you move about that? You know, you have to check maps and you have to be strategic about, you know, that it doesn't go be, beyond the, 400 um, kilometers of uh, autonomy i just want to you know this is just as a as a as a you know uh, perspective uh, purchase of the car yeah so um in infrastructure wise there's definitely uh, more development needs to happen but you know companies like tesla have amazing supercharger systems um can you charge your car at a normal um uh, uh, you know, pump station or no, not all of them. Uh, no. So, um, there's just, um, uh, so in Italy, uh, the, the company Enel, uh, okay. they started, they, they actually just recently built one in Rome. Okay. Uh, in Corso Francia, it's, right. uh, station. And it's, it's quite fascinating to see that it's the first fast charging station that they have in, in Rome. Uh, but I usually just charge it at home. Um, I have a garage. I can just um, charge it there. But um, I did take a couple of trips and uh, Italy has already um, equipped um, some superchargers on the highways. It's quite strategic, though, because it's not actually, um, you know, you mentioned the um, gas stations. It's, it's not a gas stations. It's actually outside the main highway. Right. Um, and usually they do some they, they do they do partnerships with hotels. Right. Um, and different infrastructure and they have these superchargers every um, X amount of miles. Um, does, does the Tesla app tell you, you know, where you can find them? Or, yeah. Okay. yeah, 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 okay. it's, um, it's built in their mapping system. So okay. Okay. you can- okay. um, you So can, you're not just left yeah, stranded. You can, <laughs> yeah, you can, uh, no, 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 you're not uh, left stranded and you can just, uh, you know, hey Tesla, take me to a supercharger and that's it. <laughs> right. It's crazy. It takes 20 minutes or approximately or 30 minutes to fully charge your car. Uh, and the cool thing is you can just plug in into Netflix or YouTube, watch, watch something. So the car, the car itself uh, is a, is a Wi-Fi provider as well. Yeah. I, th I think I've got a subscription. You initially get a subscription of one year and then it's, I think nine euros every month. Okay, Don't quote okay. me on, on that again. <laughs> right. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, I can, I can listen to Spotify without my phone plugged in and there's, there's Spotify in my Tesla. So see what yeah, you, what you, cool, what, you, what you just suggested and mentioned basically sounds like, you know, that when you go to the airports and you have the charging stations and people are just on top of each other there. So uh, it, it just goes to show that maybe, you know, as the adoption at the uptake of, um, EVs and not just Teslas and, you know, the likes, because at the end of the day, the charging stations are needed 
for all of them. Um, I just wanted to yeah. ask you um, on the on the wealth of data because you know I know that uh, Elon has been so heavy on the um, on the data front, you know, for road data, for autonomous driving, and you know, in terms of patenting the um, the algorithms that he has. I wanted to ask you: Do you think that going forward will be you know the the most precious competitive advantage that he has over the competition as they're you know trying to catch up through strategic yeah. partnerships and stuff? Yeah, yeah. Definitely, man. I think that is everything. That is their key to, to really be the pioneer in this industry. Um, I don't want to sound too bullish, you know, because I, I'm a long-term yeah, yeah. investor myself. I, I believe in the company. I've believed in it since 2018 and ever since it's paid, it's paid off. Uh, then. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's paid, it's paid off. But um, just in general, if, if you really do the research, you really understand that there are two main approaches, right, to the whole uh, autonomy piece. And then we can maybe look at the, the data as well. But on autonomy, there are just two main ways, either the LiDAR mapping or right. Tesla's um, visual recognition, I guess I'd call it that way. Um, and Tesla so far have proven, not only they have proven, that I think recently, just recently, a Waymo versus Tesla video came out where someone was driving a Tesla from point A to point B and then on a Waymo from point A to point B. And um, it took Tesla less time, but it's, it's and, and what, what people don't understand, it's not, it's not what is going outside. It's not the car from point A to point B. It's what's actually going in, in, in the algorithm as an input and as an output. It's just the level of smoothness and complexity that, Right. Um, that goes with it and it's just and this whole this whole way that Tesla has mapped um, and is is using their artificial intelligence to uh, tackle this area it's it's just it's just ahead um, yeah I just think it's ahead and looking at the data the, the data piece you know um, I think it's all about quality and quantity um, I mean Teslas are, are already out there. I think there are more than a million Teslas on the road right now collecting data. Um, recently, Tesla released full self-driving beta. So there's, I think, a few thousand people in the US who are actually letting Tesla drive. Obviously, they're supervising it themselves. And Tesla's collecting all of this data, feeding it back into the algorithm. I don't think anyone else is doing that. I mean, nobody else is doing that, right? So. Um, and again, this is just a big piece with the whole community thing with Tesla, you know, allowing their users to have a beta version and being able themselves to train the cars because they want Tesla to reach this achievement as fast as possible. You know, everyone wants Tesla to get there. Um, right, right. And yeah. uh, but for example, if you're trying to, because obviously AI is all about, you know, let the machine learn itself and you know at a faster rate than human beings you know you know that better than myself but for example if for example i went to california a couple of years ago and there are teslas pretty much everywhere right in san diego and you know la so um it's not just you know a far away dream you know there there are communities where the the uptake of such cars is um is popular but what I wanted to ask you is that, for example, if you're trying to move from A from point A from point B, say you're supervising it, right, and it's autonomous driving, but I don't know, there is a, a traffic accident or you know roadworks in um, uh, from one day to the other. Is that 
are those the sort of disruptions in uh, everyday traffic that um, uh, AI uh, autonomous algorithm is going to pick up or no? Yeah, everything. It's going to pick up everything. Um, and the, the more scenarios that gets trained on, the better for, for the final product. Um, so so yeah. I would imagine that, I would imagine that um, you know, the Tesla itself will be having different feeds in terms of data, right? It will have also, you know, as you just said, the government agencies and the national agencies mentioning, you know, we have, because it must be all be available, you know, we have roadworks from this to this. So, um, and as you said, and as you empower the consumer and it becomes more data rich, it's, uh, it just it just sounds like a you know a self fulfilling prop- uh, prophecy from that point of view. Yeah, it does, and um, I mean I, I don't exactly know how much the government has has to do with this. Uh, the the only good things uh, I think governments like actually like the state of Florida, I believe, is the only, is the first state that has actually approved full level five autonomy and level five for those listening is essentially where the, the, the car can do anything itself. Okay. So, you know, take you from A to point B with uh, no supervision whatsoever. And I think um, that is something that uh, th- that's an advantage for companies like Tesla who are trying to solve this problem um, where as soon as, you know, they, they feel that they've achieved that goal, they can sample test it in one state in America. And then I think it will become a race. It will really become a technological race uh, for each state to have this approved uh, and have this robo taxi system in place because it just provides so many competitive uh, opportunities and cost reductions for businesses. It will just, it will just become economically um, it will just become an economic setback for states that don't have this legislation in place, if that makes sense. Right. Um, and I also, and I also, if just touching upon, you know, the U.S. and China, you know, you mentioned China at the beginning of the call. Uh, that that was one of the main focuses of my research because I was assessing the EV market in China. And as as you as you know, uh, China is the biggest EV market. They've had this big campaign of decarbonization and reducing carbon emissions, and they're really investing heavy on it. So I also think that it will become um, um, a race between China and the US. Um, so I really I really hope that, uh, you know, the US government realizes this and uh, yeah. And they, they, they just take the right measures to allow I mean, autonomous vehicles. Is another whole point of you know our investors you you know you've uh, you sort of um, walked me through it that the whole point of disruptive innovation is that in the sense that you know the 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 exponential growth of um, innovation and the learning rates attached to those um, to these new uh, technologies which are boundless as you said they're not industry specific or sector specific is uh, you know can't be forecasted or you know the micro. Um, uh, disseminations of such uptakes cannot can can truly you know go in any direction, both positive and negative. Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. And Hopefully, uh, uh, they'll they'll use them for good uh, causes. 
yeah, I think we all hope so. And I think recently uh, we keep talking about Tesla because you know they're you know the leader and they're the ones who pretty much opened the EV market. And uh, it seems you know that everything they do, everybody follows. Do you think it'll be um, a similar instance regarding you know in February they purchased uh, test what's the name uh, Elon purchased uh, 1.5 bill billion um, US dollars worth of uh, Bitcoin, you know, in order to facilitate um, transactions on his, um, with his brand to use Bitcoin to buy cars. Do you think, what do you think about that? And, you know, the, the role that cryptocurrency can, can play in the future in not only in this industry, but, you know, in society as a whole. Ah, um, it, 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 it for sure shocked a lot of uh, Tesla investors, I have to say, uh, you know, the, the more traditionalists um thought Elon was crazy but you know everyone thinks Elon was crazy so but um yeah jokes aside um personally I feel that um the whole Bitcoin um and just the usage of Bitcoin as a store of value um is a uh, is actually a really strict is really really strategic move uh by Tesla and if um, if Bitcoin really becomes one of these reserve assets uh, and becomes uh, more valuable as a digital gold, um, it will only appreciate through time. So I really think it's uh, it's a pretty cool move on their on on their end. Um, if you think about how much value how much value could appreciate uh, between now and 2030, um, yeah, definitely. In my perspective, a really smart move. Um, crypto, um, you know, it's a bit, it's it's a, it's a big buzz right now. There's a lot of interesting projects, but and there's a lot of hype around the space, especially now we're in the fall of uh, a bull run. <laughs> Bitcoin right. is nearly sixty k. Um, so, you know, um, I don't believe in in crypto so much as a speculative asset but i really believe that there are amazing projects out there that can really um revolutionize our society um and um and i think institutions are starting to realize that um recently during arc invests big ideas 2021 um they had a had a big piece on bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies and how they believe that these um, assets will definitely appreciate over time and that the the you know the cryptocurrency as a whole is here to stay and actually uh, it's gonna it's gonna take a lot of a lot of sorry it's gonna tackle a lot of different markets so do so, you, you think know. yeah do you think that uh, i quite like the point that you mentioned in case um we keep it quite a close eye to um to crypto myself and i think as a result of covid that's only strengthened the believers of crypto because you know as uh, as currencies fluctuate as a result of you know we have x amount of deaths or x amount of cases here or we're going out of the um or lockdown this time around you know the currencies as you very well know you know looking and tracking the markets move accordingly and i just want to ask you do you think that going forward um whether you know we'll we will come out of this pandemic successfully but you know there will always be a, a looming presence of uh, um, pandemic or similar um, you know forces uh, that will disrupt society do you think that such factors can only strengthen the role that um, cryptocurrencies can play in the future uh, 
that's a very interesting question. I, I just feel that in general, um, time has proven that innovations really pick up after, after times of uncertainty um, and, and just shifts in human behavior. And um, I think this time, uh, uh, hopefully after this pandemic is over, um, I'm sure there, there will, we'll, we'll see different variations of different viruses. And, you know, as, as we expand just in terms of numbers as a global populations, these things are more likely, unfortunately, to occur. Um, but I really think that this time around, um, the exponential rate of innovation will be, um, I don't even think we realize how much this world is going to change uh, in the next five years. Um, and I really think it's important to be on the crest of this wave and not, and not, um, and not, not be a, and really try to understand it. I, I feel that there are, there are different groups of people who either try to, you know, uh, invest or speculate it, not fully understanding, um, you know, everyone's been at home, everyone's seen these stock manipulations, these, stock prices rise, everyone now thinks they can become rich out of crypto or all of these different uh, factors, right? Um, and, and this is a group of people. Another group of people are those that are too skeptical. Um, they just, they don't think outside of the box. They're not open to innovation. And I think these will be the ones that will be um, negatively impacted the most because um, think about all those people who, who are doubting Elon Musk, uh, you know, five, five years ago. Um, Tesla has been the most uh, shorted stock on the street. So that, that gives you a lot of food for thought, you know? Um, I just believe that Tesla's overall mission, um, you know, trend, and being a key player in transitioning the whole world into uh, sustainable mobility, transportation, but not only energy storage um, and just energy consumption in general, it's just a mission that is too grand um, for one single player. No, I think it's just a mission which is just too grand and in in just as a social and a social uh, a social responsibility aspect side of thing. It's just something that is um, beyond our understanding. So yeah. And um, yeah, it's just beyond yeah. our understanding, exactly. And 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 I guess that that applies to blockchain as well, right? Exactly. Um, it's just beyond like. I've been following it for the past year and a half now, but I, I remember buying my first crypto a year and a half ago, but I never really fully understood it because I never really fully studied it. Um, I, I, and I studied Tesla, so that's why I was super convinced on it. And I understood the different industries that it was going to disrupt or the different implications, right? And the different, ver just vertically integration, just vertical integration and all the different uh, markets it could tackle. Um, but for Bitcoin, again, everyone thought it was just the speculative assets where, you know, uh, people would sell and trade uh, guns or drugs on the Internet. But um, I think you really need to understand something um, before you take action. Um, and I really hope that people start uh, educating themselves on this. Well, I think um, the, the sooner we you know come to grips with the reality that we're the, the world that we're heading towards um the the then the sooner that we we can be better equipped to deal with it and i think that 
from that point of view, COVID has only, if anything, expedited the, 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 the direction that the world was, headed, was already heading towards. And uh, I think uh, as one of the last, last touching points, I wanted to ask you because um, I think one common aspect of all these things, you know, uh, for example, EVs, you, you charge your EV and as a result, you've got, you're not just, uh, you've got basically you're in a capacity to produce energy and not just consume it. And uh, mm. blockchain, for example, you, you're, you're not as, you know, um, dependent upon what the central bank does, or, you know, if you're holding X amount of sterling, but so if you have your phone and you just have a, um, what's it called, the blockchain on your iPhone, you're, you're basically, there's a, there's a common phenomenon of um, decentralization and, uh, and a subsequent empowerment of the consumer. I just wanted to ask you, um, do you think that um, going forward consumers as a result of this responsibility can become more uh, knowledgeable and, uh, you know, more empowered? It's a tricky question, man. <laughs> um, it's a tricky one. Um, I have to say that all of these applications, you know, you mentioned blockchain, uh, when, when eventually, um, you know, there's um, a friend of mine who's launching a waste, uh, an environmental waste token, maybe we can get him on green through as well. Right. Um, you know, some, something like that um, is, is already giving the consumer a chance on monetizing on something which is sustainably viable for the planet. And I think that is huge. Uh, you know, uh, being able to scan with your phone um, your waste and feeding that information into, um, you know, a whole network of systems and that actually is paying you back for the amount of produce you are um, recycling. And then you can utilize those tokens to, I don't know, shop in particular um, supermarkets and whatnot. I mean, that is just, uh, um, I think that is the way uh, that you can really educate consumers and in like incentivizing consumers into doing something that is good for the planet. Right. Um, that, that is the way moving forward. Uh, and I think that that would, um, we live in a capitalistic society, right? And I think the the the, the wealth of capitalism uh, is that we are always trying to, uh, you know, you mentioned self interest, but um, there's so much self interest that can take place uh, when there is a a common goal. And if the common goal is, you know, having a sustainable planet, having something like a waste a waste token. Uh, would definitely both educate consumers, but it was also incentivize them. So um, I think that is that is the reason why uh, you know you know we come from Italy. Uh, there's there's you know waste management. There's there's you know there's a bit of con controversial themes yeah. here uh, with with that. But imagine uh, for Italian families um, being able to receive money so that they can go spend in the supermarket and buy food for their kids just because they recycled. Imagine just the, uh, the amount of just good that you're doing, both to the micro element of communities. So in this, in this case, a small family, but just the impact that that would have globally right. would be huge. Which I think, you know, as a last point, what I wanted to ask you, because what you just described is, you know, one of the, the cornerstones of, you know, the circular economy, which, you know, we need to sort of, uh, as a society try to steer to because you know consumption 
which is capitalism consumption driven society is has gotten us to this point right so <laughs> clearly the, yeah. the the game plan is yeah. not working right so um, as yeah. you said i think uh, um, you know circular economy can uh, play both the role of you know doing good as well as um, feeling good doing good you know yeah yeah of course and i think that without without this whole capitalistic uh, system we would have never gotten to where we are now and i agree uh, it's been amazing milestones for humanity, but now is really the time to, to focus on. Yes, uh, we're we're you know we're going to create uh, wealth, but it needs to be uh, you know, environmentally viable and socially viable as well. Perfect, and uh, thank you very much, Edo. Ciao.